This is one-on-one's NHL podcast, where we take on the five hottest issues in hockey with three of our NHL beat reporters. It's time to go five on three. That is right, everybody. Welcome to Five on Three. This is the Monday, February 26th edition. It is the trade deadline edition. Deadline day has come and gone at 3 o'clock p.m. today. A lot of, lot of insane stuff to get to. We'll get to it. We'll try to fit it in the short amount of time we have. Uh, I would like to start off by congratulating the United States women's hockey team. Good for them. Bringing home the gold medal. Finally getting the demon off their back in the Canadians women's team. Uh, the Olympic athletes from Russia took home the gold on the men's side. No one really Boo. cared about that. Boo. <laughs> Germany almost pulled it off of all teams. Obligatory Ilya Kovalchuk doesn't exist to me anymore. Sentence, well, whatever. with the Rangers next year, so you can enjoy that. Um, yeah, so let's really just dive right in. The biggest move that happened today was Mike Fisher coming back, right guys? Signing his one-year contract. Oh, don't do this. Is that all that <laughs> happened today? I mean, no. I think I think the Rangers might have made a pretty big move that maybe gave me a heart attack in class at two thirty today. I mean, I, I can't before we even get into the move. No, more like three hundred one. I was literally sweating and almost dropped almost dropped a ton of expletives when I saw what happened. But I'm I mean I I I just I had I had no idea what to say when I saw this. Ryan McDonough is no longer a member of the New York Rangers. This was something that I know was being talked about, but I really did not see it happening. Um, I know the Rangers aren't scared to trade away their captains. We saw it happen with Ryan Callahan going to Tampa. Shockingly enough, another Rangers captain goes to Tampa. Man, they got a Steve Eiserman and the Rangers got a really good relationship with each other, right? They traded Callahan years ago, and uh, now we see another huge trade between these two. Also sending JT Miller to Tampa as well uh, in exchange for Nemestikov. What is it, two draft picks? Yeah, let's get right into it. It's Ryan McDonough and JT Miller from the Rangers in exchange for forward Vladimir Nemestikov, forward Brett Howden, uh, defenseman Libor Hayek, a 2018 first-round pick, and a conditional second-round pick. Um, obviously, that con- conditional round pick is in flux, and it could change it beca- based it on— becomes, It's a second-round pick right now. becomes a first if Tampa wins the Cup within the next two years. Right. So that is a massive haul for Ryan McDonough and JT Miller. Um, look, we knew it was coming with the moves of Michael Grabner, of Rick Nash, of Nick Holden— it was time for this Rangers team to just tear it down and start fresh. And we were talking before the show, coming into these next couple of years for the Rangers, yeah, it might not look pretty on the ice, and they're going to have some really bad years coming up, but come five, six years, this team will be in prime contention for another Stanley Cup. Yeah, I mean, first off, my first reaction to the trade was, I saw you, you see the Bob Father tweet out, Ryan McDonough's getting moved, and then, Five minutes later, it comes. JT Miller is also involved, and my heart just like sped up about ten times faster. I mean, it, it was for in terms of the trade. I I think you have to be a little disappointed if you're a Rangers fan to not get Sergachev or Braden Point back in a deal that includes both McDonough and Miller. But that was a, surprising. As, as mm-hmm. I as I look at this a little more, I, I it's starting to grow on me this trade because. 
listen, there's a potential you get two first-round picks in this deal, which the Rangers have been stacking up, have three first-round picks now this year with a potential maybe to move up to get Rasmus Dallin. I might be dreaming there. But listen, a there's, there's, a, there's potential there. Brett Howden has the potential to be a number one center who could play both ends of the ice and can score. And if we... Let's not forget about Hayek, who was one of the best defensemen at the World Juniors this year for Czech, the Czech Republic. So, And obviously Nemestikov, as we mentioned, who I'm a little skeptical about him kind of riding off the benefits of, of Steven Stamkos Stamp and Kucherov yeah. and all those guys. But I think Nemestikov's going to be cheaper than JT Miller this summer who are because they're both RFAs, which you can live with if you're going to be rebuilding. And listen, I, I love JT Miller as a player, but... There are times where he goes invisible in and games. And that's kind of been all and, season. He's not yep. putting up even close to the same numbers he had last year. Uh, I mean, he's he is out. Was he at forty points now? I'm pretty sure in sixty games. I mean, he's on pace to match his production from last year in terms of points. But I just I there he he's way too invisible. And also, people forget he only has one goal in about forty one playoff games. So he hasn't performed well there. But I I think honestly, looking at it right now. It's hard to not call it a pretty fair trade for both sides. Oh, absolutely. Even though I, th- I'm, I might have expected more if you're going to trade McDonough and Miller. Let's kind of shift focus here and look at Tampa Bay. I mean, they were one of any number of teams that were in on Ryan McDonough. I know the Pittsburgh Penguins made a late push. The Maple Leafs were making a run at him. Yeah, Leafs made an offer, according to Pierre Lebrun. So, I mean, there, there were definitely teams after him for sure. And listen, I'm not sure if he was the second man or the second choice for Eric Carlson for a lot of teams. But, I mean, there was certainly a ton of interest in him. So, Nick, what does this do as far as Tampa Bay goes? I know people were really, con- I wouldn't say confused, but I i think that's a good word, of their production as of late. I mean, Stamkos and Kucherov haven't been on the tear that they've been all season, and mm-hmm. people were kind of questioning their offensive output and if they actually had enough to make that cup run. But now adding a shutdown defenseman that will either play alongside Victor Hedman or Mikhail Sergachev, what does this do for Tampa Bay as far as their playoff run goes? I think this pushes them over the edge in the East. Um, by far, I think JT Miller was just a little bit extra for them. I, I think eventually like putting him up next to Nemestikov, JT Miller, in, for the short term, will be the better player for them and their system going forward. Yeah. And then they got what they wanted in that shutdown defenseman that I, I think was the one key they were missing to begin with. So this could just pretty much... I, th- I think Steve Iverson is just going for the cup this year. And that, in the end, will bode well for the Rangers, too, because that means they get another first-round pick. I mean, you mentioned the first-round pick. I, I think it's almost—I don't want to call it a foregone conclusion that Tampa's going to win the cup because it's the NHL and anything can happen. But this roster is so talented that I'd almost—I'd be really surprised if they don't get at least one within the next two years and get the Rangers that extra first-round pick. But— I mean, there are so many ex-Rangers on this team now. It's ridiculous. I mean, you have Strawman, Callahan, who hasn't performed all that well, and then you're reuniting McDonough and Girardi. I which... think I saw that they have that the Lightning now have like half of the 2014 Cup team defensemen yeah. well, on defensemen. their team. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Strawman, McDonough, and Girardi is literally that's half that's half their defense right now, along with Sergachev, Hedman, and Coburn or Schuster, whoever you put there. But overall, I, I think. The one thing that really interests me that hasn't really been talked about is Tampa's going to have a cap crunch coming soon. Oh yeah, they're going to have to pay. They're going to have to pay Kucherov soon. They paid Hedman this off season. They paid Stamkos already. Right. But they have some guys coming up that they're going to have to pay. Point Sergachev, exactly. Yanni Gord, and 
I want I really wonder if JT Miller is going to be one of those guys because listen, I mean, Miller's had Miller's been really good throughout his career and he's continued to get better each year, but I don't know if he takes precedent over a guy like Braden Point who's 21 years old Absolutely has not. lit up Probably the league not, no. or a Mikel Sergachev already. Right. It's that that that's going to be the one thing I'd maybe look to watch out and maybe they're using him just for a potential cup run this year. I imagine I could imagine a scenario in which they look to flip him, maybe kind of rehaul some of the assets that they got that they sorry that they gave up to the Rangers in the steal. So we could talk about Ryan McDonough being moved for an entire show if we wanted, but that was not the only major deal that the Rangers made. They shipped out Rick Nash to Boston yesterday. Um, we were talking before the show. It felt like a lifetime ago because of all the <laughs> craziness that went on today. Um, let's talk about what the Rangers got in return for Rick Nash. They got Ryan Spooner, Matt Bolesky, 2018 first-round pick, a 2019 seventh-round pick, yep. I believe, yep. Yep. and as well as a defensive prospect, Ryan Lindgren, who is currently in the NCAA. Playing from Minnesota. He had a good World Juniors, too. I, I think a lot of people, when they first heard this trade, was, did the Bruins kind of get fleeced on an aging Rick Nash? I I, th- I don't know if fleeced is necessarily the wrong word. I think they definitely gave up too much for him. But Nash is a guy, when he's on his game, can really take over. I mean, we saw last year against Montreal in that six-game series, he was the best player on the ice by a mile, and it wasn't wasn't really even remotely close. So that's a guy that can really take over a game. However, I mean, giving up Ryan Spooner, who I know is going to be an RFA next year, after this year, I should say, and do a pretty good share of money, but that's a guy who coming in right off the trade has 27 points in 40 games, is on pace for about a 55-point year. I mean, are you getting the is Nash the better player? I don't know if Nash is necessarily the better player in that deal, and they ha- they do have different styles. Nash will play a more 200-foot game than Spooner does, and Spooner's definitely has better hands than Nash and is more of a finesse-type player. But I'm not sure that Boston wins this trade just by giving up get- getting the better player, so to speak, and they also gave up a first-round pick in Lyon- Ryan Lindgren. I think that was the big trend from this year. Uh, first-round picks being traded, there was a record five of them. Which, which I think was very surprising. We're going to see a lot of the same teams going first round in 2018. Um, but I, I, I have to agree that even though Rick Nash can help them in the short term, he is an older player, not sure if he's going to re-sign with the team. He may sign an extension possibly at the end of the season. I see they... Nash coming back here to, to New York. Do you think? Uh, to be completely honest. I mean, if you saw the way he looked on his eggs, I mean, he loved it. it loved being in New York. And I, I honestly think that he would maybe take a pay cut to come back here. And I might be a little bit of a homer on this one. But I don't think you're wrong on that. I, I think I think he I, he loves it in New York, I, and I, the fans love them too, despite some despite some bad fans who also didn't like him. But as I think far as taking a pay cut goes, I think. He's going to be taking a pay cut wherever he goes. I mean, what, he's going to be... Mm-hmm. He's, oh, well, he's not going to make the 7.8. I mean, he's going to be, what, 32, 33, if not older? I, I don't remember his exact age, but he's an aging forward, and, got, and the style of play that he has on the ice, that doesn't really lend itself to having a incredibly long career deep into your 30s, early 40s that we saw out of some guys, some more skilled guys. Because the first thing that goes is your speed and then your power, and that's kind of what Nash has been throughout his career. Um, And the last major trade that the Rangers made 
was sending Michael Grabner over to the New Jersey Devils, making it the first trade that has ever happened between the two teams. I know Lou Lamorello was up in his office in Toronto trying to get some deals done, and all of a sudden he felt this chill go down his spine, <laughs> and he really didn't know why, but this is it. This is the reason, um, and this is kind of transitioning into our Devils talk now. Remember how not too long ago we were talking about the Devils had kind of a surplus of forwards and there wasn't really enough room for the guys they already had? Well, here they go and made two moves of their own, bringing in Grabner from the Rangers and a move we'll get to, bringing in Patrick Maroon from the Edmonton Oilers. Um, So looking at it from both the Rangers and the Devils' perspective, what does this Michael Grabner deal mean? I think this means that Johansson may not be coming back for the rest of the year with his concussion issues, with his injury issues. That's a good take. Um because he, he's been in and out all season, and while he could be key for the Devils, um, if he hasn't been back by now, it's the second time out, he, they may just rest yeah. him the rest of the year. And bringing in a guy like Grabner and Maroon will fill that spot that Johansson's missing. And I think the Devils all year have been a sleeper team. I think both these trades prove it. I mean, I think only Ray Shiro could pull off turning a second, third round pick, and then a prospect into Grabner and Maroon. I mean, I mean, you, you might be li- you might be giving Patrick Maroon and Michael Grabner a little too much credit there, to be honest. And listen, I, I love Grabner. I mean, Grabner's been say, one of the best scorers Grabner. on the Rangers. And, with but the Rangers. remember, they also gave up their second best prospect in Yegor Rikov, who I know you guys have questions about whether he's going to come over here, but he was the Devils' really only good and potential NHL prospect on the back end, and. They also gave up a second-round pick, which, listen, we'll see where that ends up, whether the Devils end up making the playoffs or not. But I, I think the Devils were really smart buyers at the deadline. Oh, yeah, very. And, and listen, I, I think they might have given up too much for Grabner, which is up for debate. But Grabner will give you speed on the wings, which they needed, especially with Johansson probably out for the year like or potentially out for the year, like you mentioned. And Maroon, Maroon's a good ad too. I mean, I'm I'm not sold on him being great because listen, he was playing with Connor McDavid for so so long these past one and a half years, but they, they didn't do anything too detrimental to their farm or in their draft. Picks. No, you're absolutely correct. And I think moving Rykov was kind of the surprise to me was given how much the Devils have struggled either developing defensemen or bringing defensemen to play for this team that they would be willing to give up on such a highly regarded prospect like Igor Rykov was. But I think, I mean, going into the deadline and even the week prior to the deadline, Raishiro said, look, we're not going to make anything that isn't considered a hockey trade for us. Hockey trade, obviously, in quotes, because who knows what that actually means as far as (laughs) making a trade goes. I mean, for earlier in the season, Mm -hmm. a hockey trade was trading... Uh, Sammy Vatnin and Adam Henry and Adam Henrique for each other, and that was a hockey trade. Sending a a roster player for a roster player. Now it's a roster player for prospects and picks. I hate that term, a hockey trade. Yeah, like it's always it's always a hockey trade. Like get over yourself. I, I mean, but uh, back to to Shear. I mean, I, I think as a Devils fan, you have to be happy with them, and this also rewards the players. I mean, the players have they've outperformed what they certainly expected. I mean, a lot of them expected to be in the dumps of the Metro, but. I, I think Devils fans need a, need a playoff or need a, a little bit of a playoff run of sorts, whether that's going to seven games and losing in the first round or going to the conference final, so to speak. I, I think this does a nice job of not only rewarding the fans without giving up too much, but also the players Look, as well. Look, since, mm-hmm. since this is our platform, we can speak for Devils fans. I'm happy with whatever happens this season. If it comes down to the wire and they miss out on a playoff spot by 
Two, three points, fine. We shouldn't have been there anyway. It's a successful season. If we made it to the playoffs, losing the first round, excellent. Uh, I, I always love a playoff push. Having a playoff series in New Jersey would do great things for the team. For all these young guys, they can see the atmosphere. Excellent. Whatever happens, I really don't care this year. I think so. And if you see a playoff run, you're going to see a lot more nights like Saturday night. Fill, place filled up uh, at the Rock more often. And Nick is obviously mentioning Saturday night as Patrick Elias night, which I feel we have to talk about, especially because it includes the New York Islanders who dropped the game after after going up one goal and then giving up two unanswered. Um, look, Patrick Elias night, it was a really fun time. It's good seeing all those guys that won cups come back and celebrate with each other, especially for a guy like Patrick Elias who came to New Jersey as a teenager Um and just really developed into one of the best and most underrated players in the NHL during his career. Um, I know we were talking about for the show, I thought he could have been a Selkie contender every year. I mean, he was putting up points like no one's business. Um, He's the leader in pretty much every Devils franchise offensive category you could ever want, and he is rightfully deserved of having his jersey hung up in the rafters along with Scott Stevens, Scott Niedermeyer, Mr. Devil Candanico, and the greatest of all time, Marty Brodeur. Um... So that's pretty much all we have for the Devils right now. We'll briefly touch on the Islanders. Um, they really didn't do much. Um, they didn't trade Do- Josh Bailey like I thought they would. Um, they gave him instead a six-year extension, which is very well deserved by him because of the last two years he's had uh, really breaking out of his shell and showing himself to be a top-line player. Um, are we surprised that they didn't either go into full sell mode or full buy mode? I mean, I don't think you could be surprised at all with Garth Snow at the helm. He's never been a guy who's going to make a ton of moves at the deadline. But like we mentioned on the previous shows, I, I think they definitely should have sold at this year's deadline because I think it's pretty clear that they're not good enough to even possibly make the playoffs, but especially make at least a decent run there. with your And it, it's potentially your last year with Tavares. I mean, you have to show this guy something at some point. And I know you added Jordan Eberle before the season, but... I, I just don't know if this is enough, along with the Bro- going moving out of Brooklyn into back to the island. I don't I don't know if this is enough for Tavares to have enough incentive to come back here in this offseason. I, I just I really don't. And like we said, I think it would have made perfect sense for them to sell, get a haul in terms of picks and prospects, whether you wanted to trade Tavares or not. You could have moved Bailey for a good haul. You could have moved Brock Nelson for a good haul. And instead, you're settling by trading Jason Chimera for another depth winger. It just it doesn't make sense for me. Another point I heard was in t- off your comment of uh, Tavares not staying uh, with the Islanders. The, one of the main reasons he was thought to stay in Long Island would be the new arena built, but that's not going to be for another three years. I mean, even though they have this deal with, like, you know, uh, 12 games and, half. and half, the next season half and half, it, it's still not the same. They still don't have, like, a permanent home. Um and it's not going to be another three years till that's done. And Islanders, would, even with the this Chimera trade, I think from a lot of teams in the NHL, there were there were so many pieces that could have been moved that it almost froze everyone that they couldn't make a decision. That's why we saw so many last minute uh, trades going on, more like last second. That's actually a really good point because you were seeing you were seeing teams like Buffalo not willing to move Evander Kane until a guy like Rick Nash moved or a guy like Mike Hoffman was moved. And they were really waiting for other teams to kind of set the market price. And that usually happens around every trade deadline. But that's what causes the hecticness. Right, because I, I think that the McDonough trade was going to set off Mike Green trade and possibly even uh, Mike Hoffman. I mean, 
potentially Eric Carlson, and because those deals didn't get done and McDonough was so last second that those plan Bs never happened. Well, yeah, I, I think the market – It's uh, listen, I, they talk about s- waiting for the market to get set, but I think you look at the Rick and Ash trade and you almost want to set the market yourselves because the best rental trade by far was the Rick Nash deal because the Rangers got a haul, the first-round pick – a relatively young center who can put up 50 to 60 points a year, and a pretty good prospect as well. So I think maybe waiting for the market to set is a little overrated, like you guys were mentioning, but I just I, I don't see how Buffalo can come out of this. And I know you're mentioning Evander Kane quickly there. Buffalo has to be disappointed with the return they got. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're you're maybe getting a first round pick. That's only if Evander Kane resigns in San Jose, and then you get a fourth and a prospect as well. I just I don't see how you could be happy with that return, especially when you went in asking for a first and a top prospect. I'm gonna just challenge you on the best rental deal. I'm gonna go actually with the Maroon trade because back to back the last two seasons. Oh no, no, I'm, Maroon. I'm, no, no, I'm 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 talking about for the, I'm not talking about. Oh, I thought you meant the, overall I'm about rental for, deal. For the seller. No, no, for the seller. Oh, okay. The, the return, I'm mostly, yeah, no, I mean, you could argue Maroon versus Nash all you want. I, I, I think Nash is the better player. They have the player same number of goals, month. and Maroon has six more six in just ten more games, and he comes at $5.8 million less. Well, that's fair. Well, they Rangers also ate eight half they retain 50% on Nash so, so let's, not that much, so let's get more into all of these trades that have went down uh, we obviously talked about McDonough deal uh, the Patrick Maroon deal was for a third round pick and the prospect has been announced it is JD Dudek out of I believe Boston College it's either Boston College or Harvard one of the two one of those two schools so that's a fair price for a guy like Patrick Maroon uh, Dudek is not one of the highest prospects in the devil system but he's also not one of the worst so can't really be too mad at that um, you were obviously talking about the Evander Kane deal, which is kind of a weird one. I know he had to get out of Buffalo. He just wore out his welcome there. Um, San Jose is um, San Jose is in, in an interesting spot. I mean, they're they're kind of starting a rebuild almost or a retooling. They got rid of Marlowe. I mean, Thornton's going to be on his way out. How much longer does Pavelski have? So maybe Evander Kane is kind of going to try to bridge the gap between the next great San Jose Sharks teams. I don't really know. That's an interesting take. I I, I actually I think they're they're really going to start to be competitive soon. Uh, well, not necessarily because they, they never were. I mean, they were in the cup final a few years ago. But I think this team, this team has a ton of cap room. They're big fish hunters too. I mean, they were, they were one of the teams from the West that was really in on Carlson. And I think they're going to make a big pitch to John Tavares this summer. But I, I just, I think that I like the move from San Jose because you're not giving up a ton, and if you don't like Evander Kane, you're just giving up a second and fourth for a half season of him and potentially going deep in, into the Western Conference Finals maybe. But I, I like what San Jose did because if you like Kane, you can you can extend him and then you have a piece for your future. I don't necessarily think that's going to be true with the way his attitude is and kind of the rap that he has. I was going to say, that's going to depend on the attitude issues. Exactly, and I, I wouldn't commit to him long term, but... I think San Jose is in a really good spot going forward, and I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if they're one of the teams that's really in on Carlson come draft night. I'm not. Year. I'm not willing to label Evander Kane as a bad guy, even though that's all we've heard about him. Maybe being in losing locker rooms his entire career kind of did something for his attitude issues. 
but coming to a team that is a perennial contender like San Jose should only help to improve that. Um, another really big deal that went down was the Winnipeg Jets acquiring Paul Stashney from the St. Louis Blues for a really big haul. 2018 first round pick, 2020 fourth round pick, and prospect Eric Foley, who is being considered as a pretty high end prospect out of Winnipeg. Um, Nick, what do you? I mean, we were talking about Winnipeg kind of being a sleeper last week. What does this do for them now? I think this makes them an even stronger team. I think it challenges Vegas in the West, uh, which Vegas was kind of quiet. Well, you're, considering uh, Vegas the the favor- you're considering Vegas the favorite in the West. That's inter- That's interesting to me. I, I I'd challenge that if just I, the we only don't, we don't have to get. I to feel the like the only right team now, that would challenge them are the Jets. But interesting. I think Stasny, I think Stasny is uh, he's going to help them. A lot, a lot, along with Shifley on the same line. I think they're going to be even yeah. more dominant. Yeah, it, it, that that's going to be interesting to see where they put him. TSM was projecting him to go between Nikolai Ehlers, the twenty-year-old winger who has t- at least twenty goals this year, okay. and obviously the number former number one, number number two overall number two. pick. Rather, I was stumbling my numbers there, Patrick Patrick Line. So mm-hmm. that would be a really nice second second line for them and like we mentioned they already have the Blake Wheelers and Mark Shifley's of the world that they have on their top line. So that makes that makes them dangerous. I, I'm not necessarily gonna fault Winnipeg for giving up a lot because they swung out on Rick Nash. They swung out on Broussard. They they didn't really get the guy that they wanted necessarily and credit them realizing that Stasny was gonna become available late with the Blues now losing six in a row. So I I th- I thought they did a really nice job getting Stasny, and they made one of the most dangerous forward groups in the league, arguably the most dangerous forward corps. Yeah, the I'm I'm definitely on that train. Um, a lot of other deals went down that we're unfortunately not going to have enough time to talk about. But the uh, the last kind of big deal that actually happened today on deadline day was the Vegas Golden Knights making a really big move to go after Thomas Tatar from the Detroit Red Wings in exchange for a first-round pick this year, a second-round pick next year, and a 2021 third-round pick. Um, I know we were talking about it last week, at least I was. I was really interested to see what Vegas was going to do to see if they thought they were good enough just to stand pat and not kind of risk their future in any way that uh, George McPhee has has really built the team he wanted, and he's going to build his team through the draft like an expansion team should. But now we go out and see them get a a top-six winger that is going to probably fit on that second line because I don't think there's any chance that they rip apart the line of Marchezzi, Riley Smith, and William Carlson because that line is lethal right now. But, I don't know, we were talking about for the show, this price seems a little high for a guy like Thomas Tatar. Oh, I think it's really high, to be honest. I mean, for a guy having a career-worst year, he only has 28 points in 62 games this year. He's kind of been in a downward trajectory ever since he had the breakout season in 14-15 where he had 56 points. I just I don't see how this move makes all that much sense for them. I mean, to give up a first, second, and third when you only really have four good prospects and you're a new team in cuz I mean all they have really is Brandstrom, Cody Glass, Suzuki, and Gusev who's not even a guarantee to come over here at the, at any point soon. I but he might considering his listen, performance at the Olympics. He might. But I don't I just don't know. Oh, I was I was mostly talking about his willingness to come over cuz from Russia, but I don't know how this makes much sense for them because listen, if you they were at, they were in on Carlson apparently till the final minutes of the deadline. That's a move that puts you over the top and would make sense to give up a ton of prospects and picks for him. But I don't know about a 28-point Thomas Tatar this year. That 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 move just that that was the real shocker for me today. That that didn't make sense at all. 
I think they had the picks at their disposal. So I, I know I heard 2019 they had 11 picks, uh, 2020 they had nine uh, lined up. But I, I do think the price is a little high. You have to remember he's not a rental. He's through, I believe, next year. Yep. I think um, he's I think he's two playoff runs. I could be wrong, but I think he's got two playoff runs. Right. So he's not a rental, but I, I think the first round pick, I, I would think I would have been fine with the second and third. I think that would have been more, but I think the first for this year is a little bit over the top. All right, so before we end our show here today, let's talk about some guys that didn't get moved, that were surprised didn't get moved. Nick, you go first here. I would say Max Pacioretty out of Montreal. I think we were all waiting to see him find a new team today. He didn't. Uh, we we didn't hear much news about him or, like, teams making offers throughout the day. Uh, like, we heard some about Carlson. We heard some about, you know, a few other players. But um, – we didn't really hear much about Max Pacioretty, so I was a little surprised. Nothing from him. I think Pierre Dorian really swung and missed at this draft, at this deadline, I should say. I mean, they he had an opportunity to get ma- a massive haul for Carlson, which I'm sure they could have gotten. And they didn't move Carlson. They didn't move Mike Hoffman, who, listen, I'm okay with them keeping him, but, again, that would have been another nice haul to kind of catapult that rebuild. And the only guy they really moved was Broussard. I mean, they moved Ian Cole from that trade, but... The only real thing they got back was was the the haul they got for Broussard, which was a first and a third and a prospect. So Carlson not getting moved is really mind-boggling to me because that's going to be a really weird situation these next few months with Carlson looking like he definitely wants out of Ottawa. And I think it just doesn't make sense why Dorian is holding out and waiting till the draft to only give one full season as opposed to a season and a half of Carlson because he could have gotten a significantly better haul. And I think that I, I might have gone with John Tavares, but we'll see what happens there at the draft. Uh, I'm actually going to go with Mike Green. Um, yep. I figured that some teams mm-hmm. that may have struck out on a guy like McDonough, um, unfortunately, since that move didn't happen until the very end of the deadline, there wasn't enough time for some teams like Toronto, like Boston, or some others, or like Pittsburgh even, to make a move for a defenseman that would have kind of helped push them over the top. But, uh, guys, that is all we have for this week. It is a new age in New York hockey. For the first time in his career, Henrik Lundqvist will be on a losing team and is foreseeably, for the future, going to be on a losing team. For Jackson Heil, Nick Lehman, I was Matt Costantini. Come back next week.